Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio on PokerFraudAlert.com, the Druff and Drexel Show. This is Todd Dandruff with Tellus. You just heard rumors by Timex Social Club. And where is my co-host? Where's my co-host, Brandon Drexel Gerson? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He cannot be located at the moment. Uh, we didn't have the show yesterday, kind of the last minute, because... Uh, uh, Brandon wasn't available, and since I have delayed the show by a day when I wasn't available, uh, it's only fair we do it for Brandon, too, but um, I could not reach Brandon today, or at least uh, over the last hour or so. Uh, often when this happens, he just has overslept or has run out to get some food and isn't quite ready yet. I'm sure he will show up at some point tonight, probably soon, so uh, never fear. There's there's no problem or tension between us. Uh, I just can't locate him right now. But, you know, that happens. He gets paid the large sum of zero dollars and zero cents to do the show. So if he's got other things going on in his life, you know, I, I, I'm i not going to complain. Uh, I'm just glad he's here every week. He has a lot to the show. And uh, speaking of adding a lot to the show, a lot of people really enjoyed last week's show. If you missed last week, I suggest you go listen to it in the archives. Because... That was a very, very well-received episode. And you never know, this is a live show. A lot of the things we do, we just kind of think up on the fly as we're doing it. So some shows end up really funny, really great, and other shows, uh, not quite so good. And it's kind of hard to tell going in whether a show's going to be good or crappy. Last week's was received very well. People really enjoyed the new character I've been doing called uh, El Chico Loco. And the call he made last week. So maybe we'll do another Chico Loco this week. We don't want to run Chico Loco into the ground. Uh, otherwise, it'll become boring and predictable. But uh, that character will definitely come back. It was well well received. So uh, we will see how that goes tonight. And uh, I, I really don't want to do a Chico Loco call unless Brandon comes back. Even though I'm, I'm doing the call myself and I, I don't really need help during the call... I like Brandon for the premise. I like Brandon to talk about it beforehand and afterwards and get his reaction. And a lot of times he comes up with really good ideas, too. So anyway, um, if you missed last week, I really suggest you go listen to it. uh, Almost unanimously loved by our diehard audience. A little bit less news this week. Last week was a very heavy poker news week. And not really because of the election, just heavy poker news week. This week, not so much. So uh, I will talk about the things going on this week. But before I do, I want to announce we have a free roll. A free roll this week, once again, 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can get to that poker room by just clicking on the No Fraud Online Poker link near the top of PokerFraudAlert.com. You needed an account there, but it's totally free to register. And there's... No need to deposit. You can't even deposit. It's a a free money poker room. And you don't even need play chips to sit and play. It's a total free roll. And it has a $50, and I say $50 real dollar prize pool, which I will pay you by PayPal, which is preferred, but I'll also pay you uh, by a bank transfer, a check, or even if I see you in person, I'll give you cash. This is a real $50 cash money free roll, thanks to an individual who wants to remain anonymous, who donated this week and the last uh, week as well. So I thank that person. And uh, if you want to donate to the free roll, just let me know for this week or other weeks, and we'll keep doing it. We've had a lot of money we've given away over time, all from the users, not even from me. 
So I thank our generous user base for donating to these free rolls to have some fun during radio and, and win some real money. Um, the free roll starts at 740. No late registration. Oh, by the way, it's a, a $57 free roll now. I guess uh, Bubbles is adding his $7, which we will just throw in for fifth place. So right now, it's 20 for first, 15 for second, 8 for third, 7 for fourth, 7 for fifth. So thank you, Bubbles, who I just saw in the chat, is throwing in $7. So 50, $57. Only thing I'm going to ask you to do is only play for the money. You can play if you want, but you're not allowed to qualify for the money unless you either had a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert by, by May 21st, or you're someone I know from one of the two previous sites that uh, I was part of, if I re recognize you from those sites, then you qualify as well. Or, if you can send me a PM or an email and convince me that you've really been listening, you've really been around, you're not just here for the free roll, and you've been around a while, not like a week, then I'll give you an exception to qualify for this and future free rolls, email me at dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you're one of those people. Do not do it after you've won. You have to do it before you've won. If you do it after you've won, tough luck. So I need to get the email dated uh, and time-stamped in the next few minutes. Anyway, that's starting 7.40, no late registration, no limit hold'em. Good luck to everybody in our free roll. So as we're waiting for Brandon to call, let me tell you about the agenda for tonight's show. The main thing I want to get done tonight, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if it doesn't, we will make it happen later this week with a special, which I'll get to shortly. But uh, Chad Ellie, who's a payment processor, I should say a former payment processor, who got busted. He, he's in trouble. He uh, got convicted of processing poker payments. And he's going to prison in January. This is all set in stone. He's just waiting. In the meantime, he's been on Twitter tweeting up a storm about all the shady stuff that went on in the payment processing industry, including a lot of slams at Howard Lederer and how he lied on his Poker News interview, and also some other names who were involved in the whole payment processing that somehow skated free, like telemarketer, uh, telemarketing scammer Jeremy Johnson, and uh, Ellie's been going on a lot about that. I want to have him on here and ask him a lot of questions about what it was like to be a payment processor. Some stuff that he can tell us about Full Tilt and Poker Stars that we may not know. What has the government not been honest about regarding Black Friday? And a lot of other things. This guy actually is married to a former Playboy model. A girl who appeared naked in Playboy in 2005. Really hot girl, actually named Destiny Davis. He's married to her, and she actually stayed with him. Not only stayed with him, but married him the day after he got busted on Black Friday. That's a pretty loyal woman. So he's still with her, to my knowledge. But uh, the funny thing is, he, was, he went and read the site today, and he was a little bit alarmed that there was so much talk about his wife. And he was concerned that I just wanted to come on and uh, have him on here and uh, question him about his... Playboy model wife, and I said, no, no, not really. I, I'm really more interested in the Black Friday-related stuff, though that's interesting, too. So I have his phone number. He said he's willing to come on. Now, as we speak, he's probably doing an interview, not a radio interview, but a uh, interview that will appear in print with Diamond Flush. That's the woman who runs Diamond Flush Poker. He's doing an interview with her that started at 5 o'clock 
specific time, and he said it would be a long interview. So I have to imagine that uh, he's probably not done with it yet. He said he would come on after he's done with the Diamond Flush interview, but wasn't sure how long it would go. He also hasn't been the best with getting back to me. I think there's been a lot of people wanting to talk to him, and he has a lot going on, and he knows he's going to prison in two months. So uh, responding to me has been kind of hit and miss, but he has been in contact with me, including today. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to call him, not right now because he's probably with Diamond Flesh at the moment, but a little bit later in the show I'm going to try to call Chad Ellie. I do have his phone number. I will try to do the interview if he answers the phone. If he does not answer the phone, I'll try him again a little bit later. If we don't reach him tonight, we will have a special show later this week, probably Friday, but I can't tell you for sure yet, but a special show just with Chad Ellie's interview, which we will do live on whatever date that show is. So that will happen if we don't get him on tonight, provided I can get him on you know, Thursday or Friday. But he's agreed the entire time, going back like two weeks now, that he will come on the show. And he even gave me his phone number last week. So this is not a guy who's avoiding me or just telling me what I want to hear and really has no intention of coming on here. He's definitely going to come on. It's a matter of reaching him. And hopefully we will reach him tonight. So uh, I'm going to suspend the talk about Chad Ellie and anything else involving him until we see if we can get him on so we don't have a uh, duplication in topic here. Let me go to our other topics for now. The PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, met with the Department of Justice to talk about the return of the full tilt money for U.S. players. When the hell are we going to get it, is the question. Since they've been, it, well, it's been gone since April 15th, 2011. It's been over a year and a half. More than 18 months have passed. In fact, tomorrow will be 19 months since Full Tilt took our money. I guess they'd been taking it the whole time, but it, it, since Black Friday, it's almost been 19 months since we last had access to that Full Tilt money. We still don't have it today. And guess what? It turns out it's going to be a long time till we actually see it. So I'm going to talk about both the Department of Justice response to the PPA and what they told them at the meeting and how the PPA itself is handling this whole matter. And I've been a big critic of the PPA thus far, and guess what? I'm a critic again. I think they're screwing this up big time. And I will talk about that very shortly. LTE Poker, remember them? I talked about them last week, a small poker room that started on its own network, then joined some other small network, then went down, then went back up. Well, It appears to be gone forever. It seems to really be gone. I'll touch on that for a little bit of time tonight. Updating last week's story. Carbon Poker, part of the Merge Network. Remember the new cashier I was talking about? What I felt was probably the primary reason for why they were disabling transfers on the Merge Network? Well, that cashier has been activated. It's up. I'll tell you about that cashier and how it's doing so far. B-Win Party which is essentially Party Poker and bwin.com, the co-CEO was arrested in the country of Belgium. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what Belgium is trying to do regarding the laws of online poker over there. Jeff Madsen, 2006 World Series of Poker Player of the Year. You know, I thought I was good in 2005 getting first and third in my first ever World Series tournaments. Well... Jeff Madsen didn't quite break that record because it wasn't his first two World Series tournaments, but he did manage to get two firsts and two-thirds that year in his first year at the World Series. I'd still say that was better than what I did. 
<laughs> in fact, by a pretty wide margin. So he, he really had a monster 2006. Unfortunately, Jeff has just struggled big time in the last few years. And now he's become a poker coach. And we will talk about that. We will see if Chico Loco makes another appearance again. If uh can find Brandon tonight, maybe he'll have an idea for a good uh, Chico Loco call. Otherwise, we'll table that till next week. Jennifer Tilly appeared in a Simpsons episode about online poker. And uh, I have not watched it yet. I meant to watch it before the show, but I, I didn't get around to uh, obtaining that episode until just before the show. So I can't talk about it, but uh, it's episode number 24 this year, this season. So go find it and watch it. It's uh, an episode somewhat about online poker with, featuring Jennifer Tilly, who is the ex-wife of Simpsons creator, a co-creator, Sam Simon. And anything else we feel like discussing and your phone calls, there's two numbers you can reach me at. 775-FRAUD-55, that's 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID by dialing star 82 before calling me. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Or, if you don't want to call the 775 area, if you want to call a 702 number... You can reach me on my mountain phone, my Mount Charleston phone. I have a little phone sitting on the top of Mount Charleston, a little like 1970s rotary phone, like you saw at the beginning of the Rockford Files. Uh, you can call that phone. It will ring on the top of Mount Charleston, and it will forward over to me here. So that's the Mount Charleston phone number, 702-430-1808. It's the number I've had for a long time. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston phone. You can reach me on that as well if you don't feel like calling the 775 number. Or once in a while, that 775 number malfunctions, so you can reach me on that Mount Charleston line. So that's what we're going to do this week. Just in case uh, Brandon doesn't come, we'll just run through those topics and take some calls. And uh, I can't promise a four-hour show like last week, but uh, try to have some good content, try to reach Chad Ellie, and I hope Brandon shows up. If he doesn't, I'm sure we'll hear him on here next week. The show will return to Tuesday. Some people might think we switched to Wednesday permanently. I think three out of the last four weeks of this show have been on Wednesday. But it's just a coincidence. We haven't... We're not transitioning to be on Wednesday. It's not going to be the new night. It's just things keep coming up and we keep changing it to Wednesday. But the regular night for the show is on Tuesday. And next Tuesday, barring something else happening, making us switch it, it will be back to Tuesday, November 20th at 7 p.m. So please keep that in mind if you're listening tonight, Wednesday. Our regular night is Tuesday. Ten minutes till a free roll. Make sure to... Get over there quickly if you want to play tonight. $50 free roll, cash money. And uh, I will get right into our topics. I will try to check the chat room as much as I can. I do have it up. But please note, I might miss some things because I have to do everything since I don't have a co-host. Um, I, I can't glance at the chat room while he's talking. I, I have to do everything here, meaning running the show from a technical standpoint and also running it, uh, you know, from a content standpoint. So there's very little spare time I have as far as uh, reading things without making the show hesitate, and I don't want to do that. But I will try to check as much as I can. I want to talk about the PPA's meeting with the Department of Justice, which is probably the biggest story to come out of poker this week. Now, I have said for a long time 
just because Poker Stars has bought full tilt and paid seven hundred fifty million to the government, it does not mean that you're going to be seeing your money anytime soon. I've said it could be a very long process, could be over a year. And some people, uh, they were doubting me. Some people thought, no, 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 it can't be that long. I mean, look how fast Poker Stars paid us when Black Friday happened. They shut out American players, and not too long after that, we got to just withdraw directly to our bank account, and that was that, and we were done. I'm sure Poker Stars will do it that way again. Well, no, because Poker Stars is not the ones paying us. Poker Stars may own Full Tilt, however, the payments are going to come from the United States Department of Justice for U.S. players. For non-U.S. players, that is managed by Poker Stars. But if you're a U.S. player, you get paid by the Department of Justice. And that gets a lot tougher, because now you have to go through all the normal government channels, all the normal government bureaucracy. And there's a lot of hoops that have to be jumped through that poker stars did not have to jump through when the government said, hey, you know what? Just pay everyone back whatever way you normally do it. Like, the government didn't make them jump through the hoops when they were paying. The government just wanted to see everyone get paid back without poker stars blowing the money or changing their minds. But now that the government has the money, now that the DOJ is holding the money that poker stars gave them, some of which was earmarked to return to the players, now that they have the money already, the government's like, okay, well, we'll do this at our own pace. We're going to do it the right way this time. Time is not of the essence anymore, feels the DOJ. So I'm going to read you the statement from the PPA. John Pappas, the executive director of the PPA, Poker Players Alliance, this is the statement that he made regarding the return of assets, of player assets, from uh, Full Tilt and his meeting with the DOJ. Player community expects from the remission process and how he believes such a process ought to be administered to assure fairness. Now, let me stop right there. It was a productive and cordial meeting? No, it wasn't. It may have been cordial. It was not productive. And I'll tell you guys about that shortly as I get through this. Our first priority was to reaffirm our earliest our earlier assertions from an August 8, 2012 letter that 100% of player account balances be made available to players through the remission process. We laid out compelling legal and practical arguments why full repayment was the only equitable solution. That's just stupid. Why is that stupid? Is it stupid we should get all our money? No. No, we should get all our money. But this has already been solved. This has already been decided. There's no more discussion about this. Poker Stars paid 750 million bucks to the government to acquire Full Tilt, and part of that 750 million was to go towards fully paying back U.S. players. Not partially, not some kind of percentage on the dollar, but fully paying back U.S. players. There was no timetable as to when we would get paid back, but it was explicitly agreed that this is to fully pay back U.S. players, and that basically Poker Stars is giving the DOJ the money plus a lot of other money that's kind of like they're fine, uh, so we can all get paid back, so the DOJ will have the money to pay us. So for them to say this is their first priority, when I say them, I'm talking about the PPA, they they came to them with their first priority to reaffirm their assertion that uh, 100% of player account balances get paid. To me, that sounds like the PPA is trying to set up something they can take credit for when people eventually do get paid, because we will get paid eventually. This is not going to be something where the DOJ is going to string us along and they one day say, oh, sorry, you're not getting your money. You know, we're going to get our money, that's for sure. It's just a matter of when. It could drag on a very long time. 
and I'll give my thoughts on how long it will be shortly. But uh, it bothers me that the PPA started out already with this assertion that everyone has to get back all of their money, and then they report here that uh, they laid out their compelling legal arguments, blah, blah, blah. You know when this happens, the PPA is going to take credit. Oh, look, we got you back all your money. And everyone's going to get down on their knees and say, thank you, PPA, thank you. So glad you have, we have you on our side. But this is already decided. This has nothing to do with the PPA. This was an agreement between poker stars and the government. So this, or that already bothered me reading that. Now, not that we shouldn't get our balances. Not that I, I mind so much they mentioned it. It's just these two sentences really, right at the beginning of the whole statement, are, it's a setup. So this way, when you do get your money back, you think the PPA was responsible and you, you donate more money to them. Anyway, moving on here. We also raised the issue of player point balances on Full Tilt and encouraged the DOJ to recognize the inherent value of these points when they consider what a player is owed. Our thoughts on these matters were well received. However, it was clear from our discussion that no decisions have been made at the DOJ regarding the manner of repayment of player balances. Nevertheless, we have provided them with a clear picture of the expectations of the player community. Now, finally, the PPA brings up a point that needed to be brought up that we have full tilt points you know FPPs whatever you want to call them over there and those have some kind of value and that they shouldn't just throw those away that we need to be able to get some value for those full tilt points and that would be the only fair way to really pay players back so the PPA brought this up and thank you PPA for doing that but but listen to the way that the DOJ reacted it says here, Our thoughts on these matters were well received. However, it was clear from our discussions that no decisions have been made regarding the manner of repayment. But we provided them a clear picture of the expectations of the player community. So so basically, the PPA came there, brought up this matter of the player balances, and the DOJ just sat there and said nothing. They just said, well, uh, we haven't decided on that yet. We haven't thought about this yet. The PPA is like, well, all right. Uh, well, we let you know. Yep, you let us know. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Let's move on. That's not very productive. I mean, <laughs> so so they provided them a clear picture of the expectations of the poker community. The, the government does not give a crap what the poker community expects or thinks is fair. They should have gotten some kind of uh, hard agreement or at least some kind of timetable or at least like, well, how are you leaning towards this? Can Can you tell us when you will have decided what to do with the player balances. Will you at least tell us that you're going to look at the player balances and make a decision about this, that you're not going to just ignore it? Can we at least get a commitment that it's going to be looked at? No, they didn't get any kind of commitment. They didn't get any kind of comment. All they got was, well, we told you. Yep, you told us. Okay, thank you. I don't expect the government to give them all the answers they want to hear in that meeting. But it just sounds like they spoke, the government listened, and the government had nothing to say, and the PPA was fine with that, and meekly moved on. I'll continue reading here. Secondly, we shared our thoughts on a streamlined process for players to apply for and receive their funds. We emphasized the need for a flexible approach to player authentication and verification. While they would not confirm so in the meeting, we are hopeful that the DOJ has sufficient means to authenticate players based on the records such as username, password, security questions, and email addresses. Well, that's great. So, so they didn't accomplish anything, but they're hopeful that the DOJ is going to do it right and do it fast. No, they're not. 
You can be hopeful all you want. Uh, there is going to be no streamlined process. Again, the DOJ promised nothing, and in fact stated nothing, about the way they're going to do this. They, again, they just listened. The PPA says, yeah, I hope you can pay us back quickly and, and use uh, people's username and passwords to let them authenticate themselves to, to get their money fast. And the DOJ is like, uh, all right. Anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> I mean, this is a useless meeting. The PPA, it sounds like they were very, very passive here. They just spoke, and they were afraid to challenge the DOJ and say, hey, I want to hear from you. I want to hear how are you going to do this? What way do you think you're going to do this? Are, are you going to use username as passwords? Have you decided it yet? If you haven't decided it yet, what criteria are you going to use to decide how people are going to authenticate themselves to get the money? How are you going to know the balances that they're requesting are proper? How, what channels are you going to go through? Like, they didn't ask these questions. They didn't press them to give answers. They just made statements and then shut their mouths, it looks like, from this, uh, from this statement that the PPA has given to us. I wasn't sitting on the meeting. I don't know exactly the way it went, but that's surely the way it sounds to me from reading this statement from the PPA. Now, here's the more, most important part. What's also important here is I, I accidentally kicked myself out of the chat room because I was so mad. So mad reading this PPA letter, I actually booted myself out of the chat. I'm back here. But if you said anything, I missed it. I, I apologize. Still no sign of Brandon. He's probably... Uh, Probably dreaming of uh, Chico Loco doing a drive-by. I don't know what. <laughs> anyway. Um, here's the most important part. Our third objective was to get a sense of timing. Unfortunately... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Unfortunately, I just coughed into the microphone. Unfortunately, completion of a refund claims process is a long way away. This I believe, by the way. The first step in this process will be the department's hiring of a third-party claims administrator after a bidding process. There is no current date certain for that selection to occur, but it was evident that when a claims administrator is hired, forfeiture and remission procedures require that a substantial administrative process be adhered to before players begin seeing their funds. Now, I believe all of that to be 100% absolutely true. It's not good, but it's true. Remember I reported on this show back in August that you could apply to be their claims administrator? Actually, I applied for the job. I'm sure they won't hire me. I'm sure they're going to hire some company with uh, experience in doing this. But I figure, what the hell, I'll apply for it. But anyway, they have to hire a third-party company that will be the claims administrator, which basically takes your claims that, hey, I want such and such money from Full Tilt that they owe me because I had money on the site. And the, the administrator verifies this, verifies who you are, and, uh, you know, gets the check cut to you. But they don't even have a claims administrator yet. And in fact, there's going to be a bidding process where they're actually going to go to these third-party claims administrators that they considered hiring. I don't think I'll be one of them, but uh, they're going to go to the candidates to be the claims administrators, and then they'll do like a bidding process of, you know, taking bids and decide who to hire, which I'm sure this whole thing's going to take a lot of time. And, And then by the time they hire one, then they have to start the whole process. And uh, it says that a substantial administrative process has to be adhered to before players see their funds, which means that there's a whole lot of red tape to go through here for anyone to get any money. It's not as simple as getting an administrator, having you submit a form to him, having him look it over, see that the balance you're requesting is really the balance you had on Voltil and cut you the money. It's not that simple. This will take a long time. A substantial administrative process. You never want to hear that from the government. You never want to hear... 
yeah, we're going to do it, but there will be a substantial administrative process before you're going to see your money. That means it's going to be a long-ass time, probably a year or more. You probably will not see your full tilt money until 2014 or later. It would not surprise me if you don't see your money until 2015 or even 2016. If I had to guess, I would say sometime in 2014 we'll see it. But I would not be surprised if it was later, and I would be surprised if you saw it any time before September 1st, 2013. That's just a date I'm pulling out of my ass. But I think it's highly unlikely that given the speed the government technically moves here in these sorts of matters, that we'll see it any time before then, and likely not before 2014, maybe mid or late 2014, and as I said, maybe even later. The government has no incentive to rush our money back because they're holding it. They have the money. There's nothing that they're going to gain from giving us our money back earlier. And they've already committed to give us our money back, so it's not like they're going to be accused of stealing our money. They just want to hold it for longer. And they want to go through every hoop. every. They want to make sure every little thing that they do follows the exact procedure required by the government. And I wouldn't be surprised in a conspiracy theory sort of way that they figure the more time they delay this, the fewer people that will claim the money. Which is probably true. People will forget about it. People will die. People will, will move like out of the country. Or, or uh, it'll just become something where they're not thinking about it anymore. Because they, you know, when you get your money seized on April 15, 2011, or when you find your money's just gone, it wasn't really seized, but when you full tilt gets seized, and it turns out your money wasn't there in the first place, then it's fresh on your mind. Then you're like, oh, I want my money. Well, years later, you've written it off. You've, you've moved on. You've lived your life without the money. Now, if you had a very substantial sum of money on there, then you're never going to forget. If you're an active part of the poker community, you will not forget. But if you were like a casual player who had a few hundred bucks on there, you're never going to think of this years later. So the government will keep your money. The government's keeping all money that's not claimed. You have to claim your money with them. It's what's called a uh, a positive checkoff process, where you actually have to ask for your money. They don't just give it to you. So it will be a long time, and they definitely benefit financially by making it take a long time. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was intentional. So uh, this goes on here. Let me uh, let me go on. The PPA remains. Well, sorry, the PPA will remain vigilant in our advocacy for the players. We are also mindful of the staffing and resource limitations of the department, referring to the Department of Justice, and the numerous other forfeiture cases they are administering, and thus we have offered our assistance to help them navigate the complexities of the issues and hopefully expedite the refund process. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine John Pappas of the PPA comes in there, says, uh, hey DOJ, uh, you, you guys, you guys got a pay us our player points. They're like, mm-hmm. And, and, and you, you gotta use a streamlined process for, for getting us our money back. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and I, I know you guys are real busy, so we can help. We can help. You know, it reminds me of, of my two-year-old son, Benjamin, when I'm making food, and he wants to help Dada. He, he wants to help. And you, you know that, you know, when your little kid asks you to help do anything, you know he's not really helping. He's actually making the process take longer. But you just let him do it to let him feel good. But uh, the DOJ is not a father, and the PPA is not a son. And they're not going to let the PPA help just to make them feel good. The DOJ, there's no way they're going to take the PPA's help with this. There's no way. 
they're going to do exactly what they said in that important part of the statement, that they are going to hire a claims administrator from a third-party company that has nothing to do with poker after a bidding process, and then they will go through a substantial administrative process to return the player's funds. That takes a long time. That's what's going to happen. So the PPA is already making excuses for the Department of Justice saying, oh yeah, we know you you don't have very much staff and you don't have many resources, so and you've got a lot of other forfeiture cases, so we understand that, DOJ. We know, we know you're probably going to take a long time, but good news, we'll help you. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to take the help. <laughs> I mean, it's just naive. It's just naive to approach it this way. Finishing up the statement from them. This is certainly not good news for those poker players still awaiting the return of their money, but it is all the news the PPA can provide at this time. Beyond that, the PPA can only pledge to continue its work with the DOJ and do everything it can to help the DOJ get the process moving as soon as possible. The PPA's legal team is already working on specific methods to accomplish this objective. While there were not many answers to come from this meeting, well, I agree there, I do believe that it was beneficial and that there are there is a clear record for the department to make the right decisions with respect to the poker re- player remission process. We fully expect to keep a continued and open dialogue with the department and will continue to update you as more information becomes available. B.S. There will not be a continued and open dialogue. Maybe the DOJ will update them occasionally of where they're standing, but uh, uh, the PPA has no influence on them. Uh, someone in our chat room brought up a, a good point. They said that uh, the PPA has no sway in the poker community, so they definitely have no sway with the DOJ. That was from Hockey Guy. Totally true. Totally agree. The PPA has no influence. I'm sure the DOJ was pretty much laughing when they walked out of there. These chumps, like they're like, hey, these chumps have no clue. They they have no power. They have no clue. Uh, they seem really naive. Like I'm sure the DOJ thought, who are these guys? What do they think they're doing? They're, like, they, they're, they're trying to tell us to do things a different way than we're, we've already decided to do it. Uh, they brought up all these concerns, which uh, we really don't give a shit about. And, uh, you know, they've just made some statements, and we, we said, okay, sure, yeah, 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 okay, thank, goodbye. With the government, you need deadlines you need hard statements. You don't You don't just tell them things and hope they listen. You don't just speak to the government, hey, well, this is what we expect. No. The government doesn't care what you expect. The only way you will ever influence the process of the government is to have contacts there that make meaningful decisions and get some kind of uh, response, get some kind of promise, get some kind of commitment that what you are suggesting to them, what you are concerned about, is going to be handled. And try to get a date for that commitment. You won't always get it, but at least try. Don't just get in there and and throw a bunch of crap in their face and and hope it's going to stick, because it's not. The DOJ is not going to hire you, PPA, to help them speed up the process. And, And basically this meeting was useless, other than to find out for us, to verify for us what we've suspected all along, that it's going to be a very long time till we see our money. But the PPA did not help one bit, other than getting that piece of information out to us. By the way, in case you respect the PPA at least for getting involved here, at least, in case you at least say, hey, look, 
they're trying. They may have screwed up. They may have not done a good job here. They may have been too passive and too meek with the DOJ, but at least they're trying. No. I'm going to read a quote from 2 Plus 2 from about a week ago from Vice President of the PPA, Rich Muni, also known as the Engineer. He said, Getting money back isn't even part of the PPA mission. It is something I'm glad we can help out with, but it's not something we ever promised you. If you prefer, feel free to pursue your claim independently of the PPA. There's no reason not to. Now, this was him snapping at someone who was criticizing the way the PPA has been handling the situation. So he's basically telling that guy and, and all of us that they're doing us a favor by assisting in this process because it wasn't part of the original mission of the PPA. The original mission was you know, to do lobbying to, uh, on the behalf of players to make online poker legal. Now, in reality, their mission was to collect a lot of money from the big poker sites, like Full Tilt and Poker Stars, and lobby to make those sites legal. But uh, even if you want to say that the PPA has a very noble mission to make online poker legal, not only have they failed with that, but I would say that getting player money back from Full Tilt Poker, $200 million worth, that is currently held by the Department of Justice, which is like their specialty. Like the PPA, they're supposed to, their specialty is lobbying and dealing with the Department of Justice. Like, like for some reason, they feel that's out of their original scope, or their original mission, and that they're now doing us, the poker players who supported them with time and money all these years, that they're, they're doing us a favor by, by trying to help out here. I really, really dislike this organization. I really dislike the PPA. I, I wish it was better. I wish I could like them. I want to like them. I really do. But for from the start, they've been incompetent. They've been arrogant. They will never listen. If you ever go to the PPA and say, hey, I, I don't think you're doing this right. Uh, let me give you a suggestion on what to change. If you do that on 2 Plus 2, where you can interact with the people like Rich Muni, uh, you get slammed. You get insulted. You get told you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Never once has the PPA said, hey, you're right. We've been doing this the wrong way. You just opened our eyes. We're going to try this differently. Thanks for the suggestion. We're gonna, we weren't going to do this at first, but now we're going to do it because you suggested it to us. Never! Not only won't they ever admit they're wrong, they won't ever take suggestions that they didn't think of themselves. And then they, they, they act so arrogant, like they're doing us a favor to, to go meet with the Department of Justice. And I, I already see they're setting up a claim of victory when we do get our money back you know, however long it is away, that they made sure that everyone got 100% of their funds because on August 8, 2012, they wrote a letter that states legal opinions of why we should get all of our player money back. Well, that's already been decided. Why not just say, hey, um, we also demand that you make sure the sun rises the day after we get paid. And then when the sun rises, the PPA can take credit for the fact that the sun rose. It's absolutely ridiculous. They, this, this organization, all they like to do is take credit for things that already were going to happen anyway. And they accomplish very little, and they're arrogant about it. And they're too aggressive when they should be passive, and they're too passive when they should be aggressive. It's like, it's like a bad poker player. It's like a guy at your table that's like way too passive and lets you get there on him, and you think, boy, this guy sucks. But then, like, out of nowhere... He decides to shove all in on you when it's very clear that you have the nuts or something else very strong. And we're like, huh, that's the time the guy decided to go nuts? That's the time the guy decided to shove in his money? When other times he could have done that and run me off a better hand? Or at least run me off from catching up on him? Now he shoves all in? Like that, That's the way the PPA operates. 
too aggressive when they should be passive. Like I'm talking about dealing with uh, poker players who are questioning them or criticizing them, and too passive when they should be aggressive, like with dealing with the DOJ. Uh, this is from Seriously Serious in our chat. One time I told Rich Muni that a lot of people think the PPA is a joke, and asked for his response. He sounded annoyed and said, Nobody thinks that. <laughs> this is from Darkstar in our chat. They are likely blowing wads of cash, traveling around the country, doing minor amounts of work, and then trying to brag about these piddly efforts in order to make people think they're actually doing something. Someone should look up who runs it, and then look into their past. Well, I don't, I don't know if there's any conspiracy to that level, or if there's uh, abuse to that level. I, I've never actually accused the PPA of really, like, intentionally wasting money and, and you know, doing anything criminal or semi-criminal. I, I don't think that's the story with them. It could be. You never know. But I just think they're incompetent and arrogant. And that's a deadly combination. And, they've, and, and they're well-funded, too. And I do think they have wasted a lot of money. As he said, blowing wads of cash, traveling around the country. And... Uh, they do take credit for a lot of uh, things they either haven't done or, or stupid little things that don't matter much in the grand scheme of things. So, Crow Diddley just said they have a good grift going. <laughs> so, don't expect the PPA to help get your full tilt money back, and don't expect the DOJ to contact them and say, hey, uh, John Pappas, uh, hey, what's up? Uh, can you come over and help us? No, it's not the way it works. Only good thing they've done here is give us a little bit of an update that the DOJ is not going to give us our money for quite some time. And let me tell you, that sucks. But that's government. I don't know how many of you have dealt with the government on anything that's out of the ordinary, out of typical established procedure. I don't mean dealt with the government like go down to the DMV and get your driver's license. I mean things that uh, require uh, a lot of complexity. The government is very slow with everything. If you have a company that is a contractor with the government, you wouldn't believe all the rules and regulations and bureaucracy. It's, it's actually to the point of comedy. I noticed this. I actually worked for a defense contractor in the mid-1990s. And I could not believe how long it took to do things that should be very straightforward and quick and how much money was wasted, and how much manpower was wasted to do things that that should have just flown right through. I saw a lot of waste. And the problem is that the government is just with pretty much everything is not efficient. They are overly inefficient. So I knew that would spill over to the remuneration process regarding Full Tilt, because they already have the money. They have no incentive here. The reason we got our STARS money fast is because the government was not administering that. The government panicked, and it's like, oh crap, if Poker Stars doesn't pay people right now, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll change their minds. Maybe they'll go broke without U.S. players. If they're offering to pay right now, we got to let them pay. That's the reason we got our money fast, because the government had no choice. But that's the reason we got our money so fast. Unfortunately, now the DOJ has Poker Stars money that was to pay us for full tilt and the money they owed us. And they say, oh, well, we have the money now. I <laughs> might as well take our usual time. So if you're counting on that money, don't. Just kind of consider it a gift. Consider it like pennies from heaven when it eventually falls into your pocket sometime in 2014. So that's the story with that. That's pretty much it. 
Um, let me uh, go on to our next topic. Thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. I, I still don't know where Brandon is. Let me take a look at Skype. That's usually the best indicator. Yeah, he's not on Skype. So, Brandon is uh, just kind of MIA. Don't know where he is, but uh, I hope we will find him tonight. We are still going to call Chad Ellie tonight. This is not going to be a, a rough ranting show. At least I'll try not to make it one. I will try to call... Chad Ellie, but I, I want to make sure his Diamond Flush interview is over, and I want to give him some time to kind of have a break from it. Because if you've been there with this aggressive woman who runs Diamond Flush Poker, asking every freaking question the dude could ever think of, the last thing he wants to do is now get on this show and pretty much do the same thing with us. We won't get quality answers unless I let a little bit of time pass between his Diamond Flesh interview and now. So even if he finished with her like an hour ago, I don't want to call him yet. I assume uh, Chad Ellie is a big boy and will stay up fairly late. So I'm not so worried about him going to sleep, and he's in Las Vegas, so there's no time difference or anything. Let me uh, move on to the next topic here. Anybody wants to call in, by the way, I'm happy to take phone calls. Strangely enough, I got like three or four calls before I started the show. I started the show like 10 minutes late. In those first 10 minutes, I got like three calls, but I didn't take any of them because we weren't on the air. Anybody wants to call those? 775-FRAUD55, 775-372-8355, or the Mount Charleston phone number, our mountain phone number, 702-430-1808. You can call as well. Just make sure you show your caller ID. Or otherwise, you won't get through. I think you'll get like a busy signal or something. Gotta show your caller ID. Okay, so uh, moving on to our next topic. LTE poker. Not going to spend a long time on this because I talked about it last week and it doesn't affect most of you. But, you know, I'm going to report on any kind of poker site that cheats people, disappears, rips people off, won't process cash outs, whatever it is. I'm going to cover all of them. That's the point of this show. Last week, talked about how LTE Poker, which opened up in February 2012 as a standalone network, only open to non-U.S. players, started having trouble getting any kind of traffic going, joined the Intellogix Poker Network in May, had a long time actually joining the network, actually being part of it, uh, finally returned in uh, late July that became part of the network. Let U.S. players join in September. And keep in mind, throughout all this, they were having problems with processing cash out. So originally, they processed, they claimed they would process your withdrawal within one day. Well, needless to say, not only didn't they do it within one day, they, they would take weeks or months. But they finally got better with the cash outs in early October, including for U.S. players, only to disappear completely on October 28th. And they have not answered emails. They have not been on their Skype customer service account, which used to always be online. And everyone's been in the dark. And since last week when I reported on this, LTE Poker's website, which is ltepoker.com, is gone. So I think we can kiss it goodbye 
been uh, over two weeks now. We've heard nothing from them. They're gone. They were also giving people a lot of free money to play on the site at the end, which is not a good sign. Um, their license appears to have been revoked. You can see this at the Scan, Scan, Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum on PokerFraudAlert.com. Now, some people have been trying to uncover who is behind LTE Poker. It's not known. They would not tell anyone when they were running who, who actually owned it. It does appear to be based out of Sweden. But um, people did come up with two things. The Money Booker's account that was providing cash outs to non-U.S. players was registered to Epignom Consult Limited. That's E-P-I-G-N-O-M Consult Limited, but no one found anything about them on Google. However, somebody else named a guy named Garrett Imason, that's I-M-E-S-O-N, that also processed the cash out at one point. Well, I, I did some searching for any Garrett Imasons that had anything to do with poker. Now, that does sound like a kind of like a Scandinavian name, Garrett Imason, but uh, I don't know how common, it, how common it is. It doesn't sound like super common, like John Smith, but who knows? Maybe in Sweden, Garrett Imason is a common name. Anyway, I found a regular poker player who, who apparently hasn't played in like two and a half years, but he was active on Pocket Fives. His name was Imo on Tilt. I-M-O, uh, I-M-O on Tilt on Pocket Fives. And uh, he played pretty pretty regularly until 2010. He's from the San Diego area, young-looking guy. And I don't know if he had anything to do with this site. He does have a, a, an active uh, Facebook page. It's like a financial advice page, which is facebook.com slash G-I-M-E-S-O-N. G-I-M-E-S-O-N. And I even tracked down his work phone number, and I even called and asked if he still worked there, and they said yes. I called when he was at lunch. I did not talk to him. Uh, Maybe I'll try to call him off the air. I don't have a phone number other than his work number, which won't help at this time of night. But I wonder if he had anything to do with LTE Poker. Part of me thinks he probably didn't, because he's not in Sweden... He's in San Diego. He hasn't really had anything to do with poker in two and a half years. I, I think he's just unfortunate enough to have a name that duplicates somebody else in Sweden because he probably has like a Swedish heritage. But uh, I did find a Garrett Imason. If it is him, he's not hard to find. So, uh, by the way, I want to say in our chat room, JSTAT said, I first heard of Druff driving while doing this radio show earlier this year. Anyone with that passion, I've got to follow. Yeah, I did do a radio show while I was driving. But I'm not going to do that anymore because it's just too damn hard to concentrate on the road and a radio show at the same time. I just didn't feel that safe. So I won't do any more car radio. Seemed like a good idea at the time because I was driving, you know, six hours in the desert, needed something to do. I was by myself. But, uh, I don't know. I, it's just hard to do with all the technical problems and all the drops of the cell phone signal and all that stuff and pay attention to the road when going 80 miles per hour. It's just too hard. Anyway, if you have money on LTE Poker, you can kiss it goodbye. They've left. They're gone. If by some miracle they come back, get your money off there immediately. If you can. But it's not going to happen. Your money's gone. Hopefully, if you lost money there, it was only the money they gave you for free. If you deposited, 
I'm sorry, you're probably not going to see it, but let me just give you guys some advice in general. When a tiny site shows up like that, a new site says, hey, here we are, we're going to process cash-outs fast, we're a new poker site on our own network, come on in and deposit. Don't, don't do that. This site never had any kind of traffic. Never. They, they had very, very few players. There's no way a site is going to survive that way. Your money is not even close to safe on a site like that, and even if the game seemed to be soft, it's not worth it if you don't ever get your money off there. It doesn't matter if you win a billion dollars. If you can't cash it out, you've got nothing. When a new site shows up, make sure that it seems to have some decent traffic. It seems to be in good shape. Don't just sign up there because the guy can talk a good game and will tell you how fast he's going to process your cash outs and how his thing's going to be the the next big poker site of the world. It's probably not. It's probably going to fail and your money's going to be gone. So don't, it's hard enough to trust your money on the remaining sites these days, especially as a U.S. player. But don't ever trust these tiny sites that aren't part of some bigger network. And if it is part of a bigger network, make sure the network will make good on the money if the site screws you. Because usually these are like one or two man operations. I remember when I first started to learn about skins and how tiny they actually were. Because for a while I was ignorant that skins could be such tiny, low-budget operations. I always felt that any poker site's got to have a pretty big company behind it. And when I heard that uh, certain poker sites that I played on were run by guys living in their mom's basement, literally, I was like, what? How's that possible? How could a guy living in his mom's basement be running a poker site? And then I learned, you know, it's not hard. Then I learned is if you're willing to take the risk, the legal risk of running a skin, it's pretty damn easy to get one. It doesn't require much investment. And, you know, if, if the skin is holding the money, then you're in big trouble because most of them don't survive. Or if a new network is holding your money, bad news. Wait till you see it stable. Anyway, that's my advice just in general. Move on to the next topic. Didn't want to spend too long on LTE poker, but it's dead. Carbon poker. Let's talk about them. A little bit bigger than LTE. Carbon poker, the uh, biggest site at the moment for U.S. players, has added a new cashier. Now, I talked about this last week and in previous weeks when uh, the merged network on November 1st disabled player-to-player transfers, and I I told you all the reasons last week why why they were doing that. Basically, to shut out all the smaller skins from the network, basically to make these smaller skins not appealing to play on for regular grinders, to to move all the grinders over to Carbon Poker or to one of the Sportsbook.com skins. So Carbon Poker, they, they own three skins on the merge network. It's Carbon, PDC, and Aced Poker. And they added a new cashier, which they've talked about now for a few weeks, that is different than the regular cashier that's part of the merge network. Uh, so this regular cash, this new cashier, which has been much promoted, and it was, uh, you know, when people were bitching about the fact that they can't do player-to-player transfers anymore, they were saying, well, just wait. Just wait, we're going to have our new cashier, and it's all going to be great. And you can come over to Carvin Poker, and everything will be fast, and you can, with- you can deposit, you can withdraw. So uh, their new cashier 
now has a number of withdrawal methods for non-US players, such as InstaDebit, Click2Pay, WebMoney, NetTeller, and uh, someone has already reported on 2 plus 2. I don't know how reliable this person is, but this person uh, claimed that they requested a Skrill withdrawal. I don't even know what Skrill is, but apparently it's some kind of e-wallet. They requested a Skrill withdrawal, and in two days, they got 5400 bucks successfully withdrawn from the new carbon cashier. So, uh, apparently the new carbon cashier is going pretty well, but it is only the first week or so of the of the carbon cashier. So, uh, I would say, look at it with cautious optimism. It is still possible that uh, the merge network is having problems. It is possible the merge network will get busted. It is possible the merge network is having money issues. It's possible this new cashier is a last-ditch attempt for the network to survive. And that's the reason they're forcing off the smaller skins by making it difficult to fund accounts or withdraw from those other skins and making it easier on the skins they prefer, such as the carbon skins and the sportsbook skins. There's a lot of possibilities. I wouldn't say you should explicitly trust Merge at this point, but uh, so far they are keeping to their commitment to have this new cashier in mid-November, to have this cashier significantly be an improvement over the old one, and uh, faster processing withdrawals. I don't know how it's been going for U.S. players on there. Probably too early to tell how fast those are. But, uh... And by the way, for those of you that think uh, that when I said Skrill, I I wasn't talking about Krill, which is a frequent player point on uh, a certain Bitcoin poker site. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about Skrill, which uh, Eurodonk in our chat is saying is the same as Moneybookers. So, just wanted to make that clear. Anyway, I wouldn't say you can completely trust Merge, but I would say that at least this is a good sign that they're doing what they said they would be doing. And this is looking more and more like a power play against the other skins rather than anything that the typical player has to worry about at this time. But if if Merge goes down, or they get busted, or it turns out they were broke, or pull a full tilt, you know what? Don't come crying to me that I said it's okay to play there and you lost your money. Because I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that I just don't see any reason right now to doubt what they're saying because they've been consistent in in what they've said and what I have uh, figured out by speaking to reliable contacts at Merge, including ones who don't really like Merge very much but know a lot of things. And and at the moment, things seem all right. But who knows? I, I don't know for sure. So, just like Howard Letter, I don't know. I'd play the soundbite, but I forgot to get it ready. I'll be honest with you. But I, I can get it ready. Howard Letter, I don't know. Here we go. I don't have all the facts. I, I don't know. Nope. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, speaking of I don't know... Case you've t- joined us late. Where's Brandon? I have no recollection. Yeah. I have no idea. Just not here tonight. Hopefully we will find him. Moving on to our next topic. 
Belgium has arrested BWIN Party's co-CEO. That is the country of Belgium I'm talking about. BWIN Party is basically party poker and BWIN. And uh, he has been arrested. And uh, it's for violating uh, Belgium's laws on online gambling. Basically, Belgium is trying to do what France did, where they are saying, you can have online poker in our country, but it has to be, you have to be licensed to do it here. You can't just be any online poker site and offer it to people in our country. We have to license you. So basically, Belgium is only going to grant licenses to certain company Belgian player. So, just mentioning that Belgium is now getting in the game of, of online poker-related busts, and they basically want a piece of the pie. They basically want to license online poker. And that's why, remember before Black Friday, they separated Poker Stars France from regular Poker Stars? There was like Poker Stars at FR? That's what that was about. Because they had to have like a separate French site to still exist in that market. So France basically did the same thing, but before Belgium did. Um, I guess radio went down for a second. I apologize for that. I still have to work on that problem where we lose connection every so often. If you're in the archives, you're other than maybe hearing me get cut off, uh, I always look before putting in the archives that I, if it's split up like this, I, I concatenate all the parts together so it sounds like one continuous show. But if, if you're listening live, I apologize that things cut for a second. And if you're listening in the archives and something sounded funny because I, I stopped mid-sentence and continued with some other sentence, that's why. I, I am still working on fixing that. It seems to be a internet issue that I'm not sure I can uh, I fix. Um, apparently, according to someone in our chat room, FTP Jesus, uh, Greece is now also trying to make uh, uh, toss B-Win out of Greece. And uh, and TPG Cap- Capital, who owns uh, Caesars, is now in the running to buy the Greek government's share of online gambling. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. Maybe I'll, I'll research that for next week. That's interesting. But, you know, everybody wants their piece of the pie, and th- that includes the countries themselves. If the, the countries themselves are not making money from this, they're like, crap, <laughs> why should we allow you to have our citizens gamble on your site if we don't get anything out of it. So that's that's where a lot of this comes from. Everyone wants their piece of the pie. And that's eventually the way it's going to go in the U.S. if they ever get off their ass. But um, I, I guess this is a good segue to the next thing I want to talk about. I didn't really put this on the agenda, but when will online poker be legalized in the U.S.? And, and I have to say, what's happening with our full tilt money is unfortunately a very bad sign about the amount of time we're going to have to wait before we see legalized online poker in the U.S. Because if they're this slow to pay us back our full tilt money, if there's that many administrative hurdles to get that done, can you imagine how long it's going to take to set up the rules and regulations and regulatory bodies and laws and everything else regarding legalized online poker at a federal level? It, it'll be crazy. I mean, this is going to take an eternity because they have no framework for this right now. They have to. This is all new. They have to build it from scratch, all the regulation for this. This is a completely new industry, not new as far as the industry existing. You know, online online gambling has existed since the 90s, and online poker has existed also since, since like the later 90s, 
But uh, as far as the government's concerned, it's always been illegal, and there's no regulation of it. The, for them to write all the regulations, and I mean, it, it's it's mind-boggling to think of how much they have to do and how slow it will be because it's the government doing it. Uh, Muck Ficon in our chat room said, "Prepare to get fucked by the long dick of the law," and that's, that's actually true. Sometimes I wake up and I think, hmm, you know, maybe at this time next year I'll be playing legalized online poker, and, and then and then. I come to my senses and say no. Then I come to my senses and say no. It's it's not going to happen. Not 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 in a year. They're they're nowhere on the path to doing it yet. They're not even close yet. They don't even have it legalized yet. It's not. They don't even have any kind of concept yet on how they're going to do it. I might get to be playing like a Nevada online poker sort of thing if it ends up working out. But even that's questionable, whether that will ever really take off if anyone really play in those rooms. They'll ever be decent games. They'll ever have the player pool we need in a state like Nevada. But that, that's my best shot at playing legalized online poker in the next year or so. So, anyway, it's, it's kind of depressing because the government moves slow, so slowly and when they have the more they have to do, the more it's going to take. So, they pretty much move at a snail's pace on everything. That's not a good sign if that's what you're waiting for. Moving on, let's let's talk about uh, Jeff Madsen. He's become a poker coach. Now Jeff Madsen, he uh, he's really an interesting story. In that he started out with amazing success as a 21 year old. I, I mean, he just killed it. Uh. I'm looking up his stats right now. I should have had this up before, but, you know, got to always produce the show on the fly here. Jeff Madsen, in 2006, he was a 21-year-old. And uh, let me read to you what he did. July 3rd, 2006, finished third in $2,000 Limit Omaha High Low at the World Series, $97,000. He won on July 14th, just 11 days later, 2006, the $2,000 Limit Hold'em event with, or sorry, No Limit Hold'em event with a lot of people, a lot of entrants, $660,000. Then, just six days later, wins again! $5,000 shorthanded No Limit Hold'em, $643,000. It's a cool uh, $1.4 million so far. And then, for good measure, finishes third in the relatively small field $1,000 seven-card stud high-low for $66,000. So he wins almost $1.5 million at the World Series with two firsts, two thirds in 2006, and he's only 21 years old. Looks like he's just running things over. And for good measure, to finish out 2006 in December, December 8th, uh, at uh, the Five Diamond at uh, Bellagio, he finished third in the $2,500 No Limit Hold'em. And then in 2007, March 2007, $100,000 he, he won at the Bay 101 Shooting Stars, finishing 8th. So, everything was looking great for Jeff Madsen. The problem was that things started to go dry. Yeah, he had a number of kind of five-figure caches over the next few years, but he was investing a lot of money in buy-ins. He was playing all the big buy-in events and, and pretty much bricking most of them. And even though he was coming up with some 54K, 41K, 15K type scores, uh, he was spending so much money on buy-ins 
and I'm guessing wasn't managing his money the best either because he was only 21 years old, um, his bankroll was going down, down, down. Now, he had a bit of a comeback at the beginning of 2009. He, he uh, in the month of February, within three days of each other at Commerce, he cashed for 107000 and then 121000 But uh, after that, the, the well started to go dry. And uh, if you look at his caches, he's just, you know, he has some occasional scores, but again, he's entering a lot of tournaments, and those buy-ins add up really fast. And um, since since 2010, he has cashed about $200,000, and I guarantee he spent much, much more in buy-ins than that. Buy-ins and expenses has, has dwarfed that uh, $200,000 in the past two years. And um, even though he cashed well in 2009 and 2010 for 533854000 again, he probably didn't make money. He probably spent more than a million on buy-ins during that time. And between 2007 and 2008, he only cashed uh, 300000 combined. Again, I'm sure he spent a fortune on buy-ins. Um, Jeff Madsen, I think, is suffering from a lack of confidence. I think he's probably a similar player in skill to what he was in 2006, but not in confidence, and that can kill you. Not having confidence is an absolute killer at the poker table. It prevents you from making a lot of moves that you should be making, but that you're afraid to make because you're running so bad. Uh, let me just give you a simple example. Uh, when you're playing with confidence, you flop a draw, and you get a read that your opponent doesn't have much of a hand, you can run him off of it. And you check-raise him big on the flop or on the turn. That's what you do when you're running well and you feel confident and you feel, hey, you know, even if he's got something, I bet I'm going to hit what I have because I've been hitting so well. Well, if you don't have confidence, you're afraid to do that. You start to check and call. You start to think, oh, well, I think he probably doesn't have anything, but no, I'm probably wrong. He's probably going to have a set and then, then I'm going to call, you know, I'm going to check raise him and, you know, we're going to get all our money in and I'm going to miss my draw and, you know, like you start worrying about things like that. You start worrying that your reads are wrong, it's just going to fall the wrong way even if your reads are right. And you start making the wrong moves. You start not making the moves you should make. And we've all been there. So Jeff Madsen is unfortunately a victim, probably, of his own early success, in that he ran so well at the beginning, and then variants kind of caught up with him the next two years, and he wasn't quite ready for it. It's hard to be ready for that when you just come out there and, and, and kick ass like that. So whatever it is, it appears that despite $3.5 million in lifetime caches, Jeff Madsen probably doesn't have much money anymore. Uh, I haven't seen his bank account. I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard these rumblings for a long time that Jeff Madsen is broke, or close to it. So, uh, someone else said in the chat, Crow Diddley, I think the lifestyle may have taken him off course for a while as well. He seemed to enjoy the Vegas lifestyle maybe too much, and that's true. Um, Jeff Madsen admitted that before he had his success in poker, he was kind of not, not only like a nobody, but uh, he didn't have much of a social life. He said he didn't really get women. It's not like he's a bad-looking guy, because, you know, Jeff Madsen is a good-looking young guy, but uh, he, he didn't do that well with women. 
Um, you know, he just didn't have a, a big social scene in his life, but once once he became the darling of the 2006 World Series, everyone wanted to be his friend. He dated Shannon Elizabeth even at one point. Uh, this was a guy who really had everything for a short time. But, uh, you know, time takes its toll in poker. And you typically don't run well forever. And, um, I have a feeling that, uh, Jeff Madsen now is not a very happy guy. I have a feeling he, he, you know, it's hard to wake up every day and look at what you once had and once were and what you are today. If what you are today is less than what you once were. It's just very hard. It's hard for athletes who were once great and aren't anymore. It's hard for actors and actresses who had their time in the sun and now have to do bad infomercials on TV. It's the only thing they can get hired for. And for a poker player who once just killed everyone at the World Series and can't seem to make money playing poker anymore, it's, it's, it's very tough. And I'm not trying to be mean or, or put him down. I felt the same thing at times. Just like him, I kicked ass at the beginning of the World Series when I first started playing and have struggled somewhat since then. So I know how it feels. Anyway, uh, the difference, though, is Jeff Madsen was very young when he had his success, and, and I was older, and I was a cheap Jew to begin with, so I still have most of my money. In fact, I, I actually have more money today than I did back then, just from being careful about it. But when you're 21, and when you enjoy the Vegas party lifestyle, it's hard to. Anyway, he's now running a poker, I don't know if I should call it a poker school, but he's doing poker coaching. And uh, here are some of his tweets today. They're actually kind of funny because uh, they're coming from Jeff Madsen. They're, they're already kind of gimmicky to begin with, but it's just, you think of the Jeff Madsen you knew. You think of his face being up there at the World Series as Poker Player of the Year 2006, and then you you see these tweets. It's just kind of sad. This this was a message he tweeted today. Peeps, message me for interest in p- private poker lessons. Have been doing it for a couple months now. Client base growing. Guaranteed results. Now, this would be funny if he was joking, but he's he's serious here. Guaranteed results? Client base growing? I mean, this sounds like an infomercial. But he's serious. He's not mocking himself. He's he's serious about it. Then he went on to say, One of my poker students just made a final table in... Lake Tahoe! <laughs> not exactly a uh, hotbed of poker activity. In Tahoe, when I met her, she was a beginner. Now she's already getting results. Could be you! I mean, this is really gimmicky. This is not the Jeff Madsen I once knew. Talking about a, a girl he knew that just made a final table in Tahoe. He doesn't say what event it was. It was probably like a $40 event in Tahoe, but she made a final table. She, once a beginner, she's getting results. You could be in Lake Tahoe making a final table of a $40 event. You know what? The funny thing is, I think Jeff Madsen probably would be a decent poker coach. Uh, since he doesn't actually have to play when you're coaching. I'm sure he has a lot of good poker theory. I'm sure he he can give you a lot of good tips on how he once succeeded on the tournament circuit. And uh, it doesn't matter if your coach lacks confidence, because if your coach is not the one playing, 
uh, if he's giving you strategy that's actually good strategy, you can benefit from it. So I'm not even trying to talk anyone out of taking his his poker course or, or his poker lessons. It may not be a bad idea if you want to learn to learn from Jeff Madsen. I bet his rates are pretty reasonable at this point. Actually, that'd be a good question. How much are his rates? Let's find that out. If anybody in chat knows how much he charges, let me know. But, um... Yeah, he's he's coaching for the last few months and uh, claims his client base is growing and he's guaranteeing results and his female students are playing in Lake Tahoe and making final tables, so that's Jeff Madsen. And, uh... It's said right now that he's playing staked. That's the rumors I'm hearing. And, uh... You know, I, I probably should have tried to get him on here. I'm so used to not having guests. Like, whenever I can have a guest, or possibly have a guest, I just don't think of it. Now, I forgot what pissed him off. Something I said pissed him off about a, two or three years ago. So I don't know if he'd come on here anyway. I don't remember anymore what it was, but he he got angry at something that I think I tweeted. I don't remember anymore. But uh, when I met him in person, he seemed like a nice enough guy. Nothing against Jeff Madsen. I just think it's I don't know, it's kind of sad. Just kind of sad. But Jeff Madsen, I just I remember when he first ended up at my table. I'm like, wow, I've got Jeff Madsen in my table. And I was just, man, this guy is just like he's going to be huge. This guy, this guy's just destroying everyone. So, when you see him go from that to talking about his growing client base of poker coaching and one of his students making a final table in Tahoe, just kind of sad. But I, I guess it's better than just living off other people's money. At least he's trying to do something to support himself. I shouldn't make fun of it because most other people in his spot just keep borrowing money from people and don't pay back. Just live off of stakes and loans. At least he's trying to make something of himself with uh, in some other way in poker that doesn't involve winning at the table when he's struggling to do that. So anyway... Just wanted to mention that. I'm not trying to bash the guy. I actually think it's good he's doing this, just kind of sad. Um, I, I guess the last scheduled topic, something I'm not even going to talk about that long, uh, Jennifer Tilly was in a Simpsons episode about online poker. Didn't get to see it yet. It's episode number 24 of this season. I'm not sure what night it aired, but it has aired already. I think it's the last episode to have been on. A lot of ways to get that episode. I'm not going to encourage any kind of piracy, but uh, I'm sure you guys know various ways to obtain already aired Simpsons episodes. It is episode 24 from this season. It's amazing that The Simpsons is still around. I think it's now in its uh, probably 24th season. I think it's season 24, episode 24, if I had to guess. Definitely episode 24. But, uh, wow. Simpsons has uh, really uh, stood the test of time. And funny enough, I was never really a Simpsons fan. I've watched a few episodes. I know all the characters. I, you know, I understand it. 
and I can watch it and I can enjoy it, but I just I just can't really get into it. I don't feel the urge to want to watch the next episode. And the funny thing is, Futurama, which was done by uh, the same guy, Matthew Greenig, you know, I, I love Futurama. And when I saw that the first time, I couldn't wait to watch it again. But I was just, uh, I was no episode 24. Hmm. Someone correct me then. Someone said I'm wrong about episode 24. It was the le- it's the last episode that it was on. It may be in your uh, t- on demand. Sorry if I got the wrong information. You know, now that I think of it, episode 24 doesn't make much sense because it's only November, and the season starts like you know in the fall. So whatever. I, I was probably looking at season 24. <laughs> so I, I don't know what episode. You know, what? I'm going to look it up right now. I'm I'm, I'm going to just hold the whole show up, and I'm going to look up exactly what episode number this is. So everybody can get it, but it's a an episode that, among other things, deals with uh, online poker and uh, Homer putting uh, Lisa's college money in an online poker site or something like that. Haven't watched it yet, but that's what I'm hearing. It Jennifer Tilly is in it, and she was actually the ex-wife of co-creator Sam Simon. And she must have a fortune. Yeah, it's actually episode four. I'm sorry, it's season twenty-four, episode four. It was just on November 11th. It's called Gone, Abby Gone. So, apologies for the wrong information. It's episode four. And uh, Jennifer Tilly, as I was saying, is the ex-wife of Sam Simon. And she was married to him for a long time by the time they got a divorce. So Sam Simon made a fortune off The Simpsons. And whatever he made on The Simpsons while they were married, she got half of. So she she's loaded, Jennifer Tilly. And not just from her own movie career. Much more loaded from that divorce. So, uh... I always kind of wondered... You know, Phil Locke, he's the same age as me. He's born in 72 like I am. Jennifer Tilly's in her 50s. Let me look how old she is. I'll tell you what the point I'm getting at here. Yeah, she's born in 1958. She is uh, 54 years old. Looks very good for her age. But uh, is still 54. And I wondered about the whole thing with uh, Phil Locke. If uh, if any of that had to do with money. I'll never know. But, um, you know, Phil Locke is a lot younger than her. Now, it is still, you know, Jennifer Tilly is still a famous actress. So I guess there's the allure there. But she is 14 years older than him. And Phil Locke was pretty well known in his own right. I mean, you think about Phil Locke, I mean, the guy could have had some pretty hot chicks, you gotta think. Just from his poker fame. And, uh, you know, Jennifer Tilly, she, she was an attractive woman, but she is 54 years old. I, I just always wondered about that relationship, if uh, any of that had to do with the fact that she's Sam Simon's ex-wife and probably has a freaking fortune to her name. But, you know, they're not married, so... I guess if uh, Phil Locke was a big-time gold digger, he probably would have married her. So, yeah, maybe it's not about that. And I'll tell you, I like Phil Locke. Uh, always got along with him well. Always really nice to me whenever we meet each other. And uh, just, I, I don't know. If, if I was Phil Locke, I... Uh, if, if I was famous like him, if I was uh, someone in his position... I wouldn't be dating someone 14 years older than me. I just wouldn't. 
especially you know maybe 14 years older if I was you know 20 and and, and she was 34 but you know once you're you're in your late 30s I don't know it's just that has no appeal to me maybe it's just maybe it's just me I've never been into the older woman thing even when I was younger I'm not necessarily into young women I, I just kind of like women my own age I've always said I'll date up to my own age I'll date younger I'll date my own age I just don't want to date older than me so maybe Phil Locke didn't feel that way but uh, I guess there's some appeal when your girlfriend is someone famous you know when you can walk around saying hey Jennifer Tilly remember her that's my girlfriend it's it's like a lot different than just the average 54 year old who's kept herself up well Anyway, you guys ever seen Jennifer Tilly's sister, Meg Tilly? Even though she's younger, she actually looks like way, way, way older. She's two years younger, but she looks she looks her age. She's 52. And not only does she look very Asian, where Jennifer Tilly doesn't, because they're both half Asian, but uh, Meg Tilly looks very Asian and very old. Just, I shouldn't say very old, but looks looks her age. Definitely looks at least 52. And Jennifer Tilly has always looked much younger than her age, especially in her later years. So, um, I wonder how much of that is good genes and how much is it good surgery. They'll all say, you know, when I saw her in like 2005, 2006, and, you know, I played with her, I even shared a, uh, a cab ride with her in St. Kitts. She looked really, really young for her late 40s back then. Like, she was like 48, and she looked like she was in her 30s. I mean, she looked really, really, really good for her age. I saw her, like, I don't know, two years ago, year ago. She's aged significantly since, like, 2006. But, you know, it has to end at some point. When you're 54, at some point, you've got to start looking your age or somewhere close to it. You can't, you can't be in your mid-50s and look in your 30s. It just doesn't happen for anyone. So. In any case, uh, for those of you that don't know, most of you do, but she's also the voice of Bonnie on Family Guy. But I doubt that pays all that much. I'm sure it pales in comparison the money that she has from Sam Simon. I once had Sam Simon at my table, like, semi-deep in a World Series event. This was like three, four years ago. And he took a bad beat and got knocked out. <laughs> Some guy at the table's like, oh, man, I feel sorry for that guy. And, like, the rest of us at the table couldn't believe it. Like, you feel sorry for Sam Simon? that he didn't win as much money in a World Series of Poker event. Like, he could have won first place there. It would have meant nothing to him. Uh, I guess it would have meant something to him for, like, accomplishment's sake. But for money's sake, uh, this guy doesn't give a shit if he finishes uh, 150th or 6th. Anyway. Uh, that's it for our scheduled topics. We don't have uh, a co-host. Missing in action. We don't have any more topics. Show's only been on for an hour and a half. I feel ashamed. I feel like I'm... Oh, I forgot to call Chad Ellie. What the hell's my problem? I shouldn't say I forgot. I've been delaying it, and then I forgot it. You know what? I'm going to call up Chad Ellie right now. The main thing I said we're going to do, and then I f- almost forgot that we were going to do it. I have no idea what we're going to get. I'm going to be careful to hang up on the phone number... If it comes on, I don't know. I've never called the guy before. 
if he comes on, I'll just say, you know, I'm not going to prank the guy or anything. I'm going to say you're on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. He's expecting me to call him. But at the same time, he hasn't made contact with me today since noon. So we'll see what we get. We may get nothing. We may get something. If we don't, we will have him on sometime in the next few days in like a special episode. Should have taken odds before this call whether he's going to answer. I would have given it like plus 200. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Seven, zero. Nope. You know that his number begins with seven, zero. I'll give you even one more digit. It's seven, zero, two something. So if you want to try 10 million other combinations, you can find Chad Ellie. You know, maybe Brandon is with Stephanie right now. Maybe he uh, he finally broke through to Stephanie. You know, angry Stephanie, uh, Ken Scaler's friend. Maybe that's who he broke through to, and he's with her. He doesn't want to be interrupted. You know what? I'm going to call Brandon now. I'm just going to call his, uh, his cell phone. And uh, we'll see what we get. Now, I'm going to be careful, of course, not to let his phone number appear on the air. But, uh, see what we get. Your yeah. call has been forwarded Uh-oh. to an automatic voice message system. Seven. Well, Brandon got first ring voicemail. You know what that means? It means he's asleep. This is from Jeannie, Gene Riders, who, uh, is a regular listener to this show. You're going to get his answering machine. I called him before. Also, he was sweating me. Uh, so I, I, my guess is that Brandon stayed up all night last night. Then, because uh, his friend Jeannie made day two of a tournament, he went down there to sweat her, and he was exhausted. And he came back, and he's like, okay, I'm just going to take a little nap before radio. And then he's just out. Oh, wow, Jeannie came in sixth. Well, congratulations, Jeannie, for your sixth-place finish at the Venetian. And, uh, glad you did well there. The only bad thing about you finishing sixth is that you took away Brandon from the show because he was sweating you, and then he probably went to sleep. (laughs) Now he's, uh, nowhere to be found. Oh, well. That happens. Just one week of the show. Oh, no, he didn't come down there. He just talked to her, and he said he just woke up. That's weird. Um, now, bad guy saying in our chat, I came on myself today, congratulate me. I don't know what that means. I hope it doesn't mean what I think it means. I came on myself today, congratulate me. Now, I hope what he's trying to say is he came online himself without anyone's help, congratulate him. In which case, congratulations. If he's saying that he actually came on himself, I'm afraid I can't get behind that effort. I'm also surprised that, uh, He's just doing that for the first time at this age. I think bad guy's like 30. I'm going to try to go with the first meaning. He's just saying that uh, he just came online himself. Oh, you know what? Speaking of bad guy, since you're here, bad guy, I want everybody to hear this. Some of you who heard this already who were in my forum. But I want everybody to hear bad guy's call on the Poker Fraud Alert 
answering machine or voicemail. This call came in on Tuesday, November 7th, when we were not on the air because we were off because of the election and we were going to be on the next day, Wednesday. Just like we did this week. But Bad Guy called in and was sure that we were on and we were ignoring his calls. This is what Bad Guy had to say on the voicemail. Jeff, what the fuck are you doing? It's the bad guy, man. TK the pimp. If that's your wife, I don't believe it, but whatever. I mean, I'm calling here left and right, man. Come on, I got some good... I'm in a fucking voting party, man. People are Republican here, man. I could get a bunch of fucking people in here that are so pissed. And you're not letting me do it. I called you a hundred times, man. You're missing a golden opportunity to make this show funny tonight. I'm in a Republican place, man. I'm trying, I'm at a party, man. You hear the TV in the back? That's I'm, I'm like in the back room here trying to get you on the fucking phone. I was like an idiot. I said, I'm like, you can talk to my boy here. You're not answering, man. Get the fucking answering, boy. <laughs> so that was bad guy. Get the fucking answering, boy. I'm going to play that again at the end. Get the fucking answer it, boy! You're not answering, man! Get the fucking answer it, boy! (laughs) By the way, it wasn't a TV in the background. Seriously, Sirius thinks that's a TV. He was actually at some kind of uh, Republican election party and, and, and wanted me to talk to some people there or something. He said, we got Republicans here. But I missed out on the Republicans because I wasn't on that night. I've, I was watching the Republicans on TV lose. That's what happened that night. I would have liked to talk to some, I guess. I mean, I, I appreciate the effort, bad guy. Just wrong night. I did have a notice on the top of the forum for a few days before that saying that uh, radio's been delayed. But he said he was trashed, so... Oh, well. Uh, some people are reporting that they can't get through to the show. You need to show your caller ID. I haven't seen a single call come in. Maybe our phones are screwed up. But, uh, in fact, I'm going to pick up my cell phone now. I'm going to try to call myself on my show. And seven, see what I get. 775-FRAUD-55-775-372-8355. And... Uh, I just assume nobody wanted to talk to me. But uh, people in the chat room saying they're trying to call. You can't get through. Now, I, I see myself calling. Don't know what to say. You guys probably aren't uh, showing your caller ID. But uh, you can also try the Mount Charleston phone, 702-430-1808, if you want to talk to me. Anybody who would uh, like to bring up a subject that I've talked about, a subject I haven't talked about, Whatever, kind of towards the end of the show. Looks like it'll be a short show this week unless uh, we get something else going here because I have no partner and ran out of stuff to talk about. It's funny how, how some weeks you just go on and on and you, you, you like leave stuff that you want to talk about because the show's been too long already. It's already been four hours and you kind of just are done. But you have a lot of things you could still do. And the other weeks like this, you just like run through it all and it's been an hour and a half and you're like, crap, i got nothing to do. Okay, i got a call here from... Uh, 910, which I think is North Carolina. Uh, hello, caller, you're on the air. Caller, hello. Hmm. I don't hear you. Hung up. 
Six Toad Pete asked in the chat, is Ken Scaler dead? No. Ken Scaler is alive and well. And um, not much to say right now. Um, you know, I, I'm going to talk about something else here. T- telling me about Ken Scaler reminds me of something that I talked about with him a few days ago. I don't know about the rest of you guys who are around my age, but um, by the time you're 40 years old, um, you, you've usually had a number of relationships from a long time ago by this point, where there's girls you once dated that you know maybe were 20 years ago, where a lot could have changed since then, who you've probably lost touch with. So every so often, I, I'll take a look on Facebook or other places for girls I dated a long-ass time ago to see what's up with them, see if they ever got married, see what they look like nowadays, see what they're doing, see if they had kids, whatever. They may do that with me, too. Who knows? But um, I've actually gotten pretty good at locating people's pictures and social media accounts on the Internet, even if they've changed last names or whatever. I won't bother to explain the way I do it, but uh, I can do it pretty quickly and pretty efficiently. So every so often I'll think, hey, you know, I wonder what happened to such and such girl I dated back in 89. I wonder what happened to this girl who I was went out with for three months back in 92. So I will look these up, and it's interesting to see how some people change, to see what happens to them, to see the ones that somehow hold up their looks over the years and other ones that don't. And I can tell you, if you asked me to guess years ago whose looks were going to hold up and whose didn't, I would have been all wrong in a lot of cases. Uh, for example, there was a girl I dated in 1989 when I was 17, and I saw her a few years later, and her looks had already gone downhill. She already looked like she was hitting the wall when she was 20. So I was thinking, okay, this is going to be bad news when she's like 30 or 40. Well, now she's 40 like me, and I saw a picture of her on Facebook, and she looked very good. She looked young for 40. She looked pretty. Her body looked nice. She, she looked good. And I was very surprised. I was sure she looked terrible. Um, other ones who, who looked great b- back when we were together, who I thought uh, were going to maintain their looks pretty well, uh, looked like different people. Uh, some of you read the story I posted on election night of election night from 92 when I met a girl through a wrong number and ended up having sex with her. That girl was, was pretty at the time. But today, she looks like a different person. Like, I'm embarrassed to post what she looks like now. Because you guys won't believe me that she was actually hot back then. Looks like a completely different person. And, um... It, it's funny. How, how much some people can change. And the older you get, the more opportunity you have for that to have occurred. Both in number of people you've been with and the number of years that have passed since you've been with them. Now, I'm not going to say that I look the same as, as when I was younger either. Uh, even I've changed a lot in the last five years. And, and sadly, not for the better. But um, it, it's funny how, how different... And I, I don't know if any of you do this. If any of you like, go back and look up people you once dated from a long time ago and see what's happened to them, see what they look like now. But um, I, I don't know if you guys uh, 
listen to country music at all, familiar with it. But uh, Garth Brooks did a song in the 90s called Unanswered Prayers. And it's, it wasn't really a religious song. It was a song about uh, a girl he was once with when he was in high school and how he really, really wanted to be with her. It didn't happen. And then he saw her many years later and how he felt when he saw her. And, and basically he was saying that he, he was happy he didn't get with her because she changed a lot since then and looked nothing like she used to and w- acted like nothing like she used to when, when they were together. So, uh, I mean, that that's so true. A lot, a lot of the people that you were with a long time ago and, like, you thought, oh, I hope it really works out with this person. And then you see where they are today. A lot of times you think you dodged a bullet. A lot of times you think that, uh, wow, I'm glad I'm not with this person anymore, whether it's because of how they look or um, what's happened to them. You know, maybe they've become drug addicts. Maybe they've uh, just kind of become trash. And you think, wow, had this person actually been with me, there would have been a lot of problems. One of the girlfriends I had from 94, I I looked up recently, and I saw that she's been married at least four times since then. Four times! Wow. By the way, JSTAT says in, in chat, and I know he's a card counter too, says, getting older is good cover for card counting at Blackjack. Pit bosses won't fuck with someone with experience in life. Well, that's not really why they don't screw with you, but he's right. When you get older, they suspect you less about counting cards because the stereotypical card, card counter is between young and middle-aged. So I'm still in the range where they expect me to be a card counter by my age, but like in 10 years I won't be. In 10 years I'll look too old to be a counter. Not that there there aren't older card counters, but they expect the older gamblers to not be card counters. So, um, I just wanted to mention that, because when I was talking to Ken Scaler, there's this one girl that I dated back in 94 that he really, really liked and wished he could have been with, and he always talks about her to this day, even though it's been like 18 years since we've talked to her at all. And um, I told him that I found her online and what she looks like today and how she looks nothing like when he saw her back in 94. And he had a hard time believing it, but it's true. But there's a lot of factors that go into it. Sometimes it's the the life the person leads, whether they get into drugs or they have other like high stress in their lives and it ages them quickly, or they just don't ca- take care of themselves, they, they eat badly... Uh, some people just have bad genes for aging. And other people on the flip side sometimes have good genes for aging. Sometimes people who, who don't look all that good when they're uh, 17 years old, 20 years old, actually improve with age somewhat. Or at the very least, uh, don't really change very much. And actually, as time passes, become more attractive on a relative basis compared to their peers of the same age as they compared to what they were when they were you know 18 years old. So... Like, that girl I talked about I dated in 89, she, she was she was a pretty girl. But as I said, she already went downhill within the next few years, and uh, somehow she <laughs> reversed course. And, and looks very good for a 40-year-old now. Um, anyway. I think we're just about done here. 
I could make a Chico Loco call, but I just, you know, I, I like having a partner for these things. I like not necessarily a partner on the call, but a partner to talk about it with and laugh afterwards. It just, it just feels kind of weird to do these calls by myself with just kind of the chat room talking to me. I mean, if, if I never had a partner, I would do it, but uh, since I expect Brandon to be here next week. Before I shut down the show, I will try one more time to reach Chad Ellie. If we don't reach him, uh, I will take him up on his offer to do like a special sh- show on Friday. That's what he offered to me, like, uh, let's just do a special on Friday. Looks like we might have to do that. Um, this is interesting in chat. JSTAT says, I have doubts that Andy Block is a winning card counter. The MIT Blackjack team actually lost money. I can't agree with that. I've never seen Andy Block's skills in counting cards, but it's not a very hard thing to do. And, and it's very clear Andy Block is a smart guy. Yeah, I'm sure he's capable of being a winning player, and I, I don't see Andy Block being a uh, a tilter. And that's, that's really... Tilting is really the killer for uh, Blackjack card counters in that a lot of them have a hard time sticking to the program. Um, when you're playing blackjack, and you're counting cards, and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're doing it right, and then you lose six hands in a row that you put out big bets. And then they reshuffle, and then you've got to put out small bets again, because the count's been reset. Uh... It's very hard for certain people to bring their bet back down to the minimum. So if you're betting, you know, 25, 25, 25, and then the count gets high and you're putting out, you know, 250, 300, 350, and then you lose all those in a row, then they reshuffle. you got to put back out 25 again. It's hard. It's hard to put back 25 again knowing you just blew off, you know, 1,500 bucks the last six hands. But you have to. You have to if that's, you know, if they've reshuffled and the count's reset, you've got to go back to your minimum bet. But some people have a hard time with that. Some people forget the count when they get angry from losses. Some people deviate from the strategy because of superstition. And that what makes people lose in blackjack. Plus, just variance. It's a, uh, there's a lot of variance in blackjack, and you can't get that many hands in because you can't just sit there for unlimited time and play. It's not like a poker where you can sit there and play thousands and thousands of hands in one session online, or even live, just sit there playing for 25 hours straight. Uh, Blackjack, you have to play a short session and leave, win or lose, or or you're going to get barred. So, you're not going to get that many hands in Blackjack, and if you run bad, you can lose a lot of money straight, and uh, that can also be demoralizing and send you on tilt. So that's, that's the biggest enemy of card counters, is tilt. It's not really about skill. In poker, it's more about skill. Yes, there's a tilt factor in poker, of course, but in poker, there's a lot of different ways to win. In blackjack, it's very mathematical. In blackjack, it's all about uh, making the right moves according to the odds. So, having the skills to beat poker and the skills to beat blackjack are often two different things. I see a lot of good poker players sit down at a blackjack table and think they know how to count cards because they they kind of understand the basic premise behind it. But they're not winning players, and they think they are, but they're not. JSTAT said accurately, one mistake an hour can break a card counter. That's true. Your edge is very small. If you make one mistake on a big hand, your edge could actually be negated, and you can end up with a, a negative edge. 
Six Toad Pete asked me if I ever swam in the rooftop pool at the Union Plaza. No, I didn't. Only thing I ever had happen at the plaza was having a prostitute flirt with me. But never swam in the pool there. I bet if I paid her enough, though, she would have swam in the pool with me. <laughs> Some people are asking, uh, will I have a positive EV show? That was my serious business strategy show. Strategy and other serious topics that I used to have on the other side I was involved in. Uh, yeah, I'll have one. One day. Don't know when. Anybody wants to call in before we shut this down? Or try to call uh, Chad Ellie one more time to shut this down? I understand this show is not quite the as good as last week's show. But, yeah, it happens. Especially without a host. Without a second host. And, uh... I'm being asked, was there a shooting in a Las Vegas casino recently? If there was, I have not heard of it. So, uh, let's try Chad Ellie one more time. 775-FRAUD-55-702-430-180-5. I have one other thing I want to talk about before I try Ellie again. The Miami Marlins. Can you believe what's going on there for baseball fans here? Uh, basically, they they talked the people of the city of Miami into building a new stadium, claiming that they were going to put a good team on the field, spend a lot of money. Owner Jeff Loria said that. Uh, they just had a fire sale, and they dumped Reyes and Burley and uh, someone else, I'm forgetting. But basically, they just did a salary dump. And uh, they may have a payroll as low as $34 million for 2013. Can you believe that? Can you imagine a $34 million payroll for a baseball team in 2012? Because of that trade to the Blue Jays? Where they get uh, Yunel Escobar and other failures from the Blue Jays? So uh, their payroll may be so low that they may have to raise it in order to qualify for the revenue sharing. So Giancarlo Stanton, who's still there and isn't paid much money despite his big contributions because he's young, but he actually angrily tweeted about this. So, uh, yeah, I'd be pissed. You know, and some people are saying, well, hey, they, they only won 69 games with the team they had, so wh- why keep a team like that? But uh, the, they, they weren't dumping players that were bad and had bad contracts. It's not like they did that. They, they were dumping players that would have helped them. You know, when you have a bad team, dumping your few remaining good players is not going to make you better. Now, it will if you absolutely cannot afford to put good players on the field unless you get rid of those players. But the, the thing is that uh, the way to improve would be... Uh, uh, it would be to get more players that uh, can contribute to the team, not not dump the existing productive players you have just because they, they're being paid a lot of money. And if they didn't think they could put a good team on the field, if they didn't think that uh, they could afford to put a good team on the field, they shouldn't have lied about the fact that they were going to keep a high payroll to justify getting that new stadium. That's the big problem is the stadium. So uh, I realize, you know, bad guy saying not every city has Dodgers money. I'm not criticizing 
that uh, I'm not criticizing them for not spending a lot of money. I'm criticizing them for lying to the public about the stadium, about uh, how they intend to spend a lot of money if they get that new stadium, and then not do it. There's no excuse for that other than just greediness of the owner. Also, they already pissed people off with uh, when the manager made a pro-Fidel Castro comment, which you just never make in the city of Miami with all these uh, Cubans that hate Castro. You just you don't ever do that. So, uh, you know, Bubbles wants me to call Bovada. And uh, I kind of want to, because I, I had a little trouble with Bovada this week. I kind of want to, but then I have to give my information on the phone. And um, I can't give that out on the radio. And uh, it would be hard to take that off the radio without like turning off the radio. It would be, be hard to do. So, And I don't really have anything funny to say here. Like, I can call Bovada, and I'll get the, like, dumb customer service, the Filipinos there that tell me I can't have the information I'm requesting, and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put up all the walls, and it'll be frustrating, but it won't be funny. So. And and someone's suggesting Chico Local should call them. The problem is, they always want to know your account number before they talk to you about anything. So they'll just keep hassling Chico Loco for his account number. If he calls. <laughs> it is tempting, though, for Chico Loco to call into Bovada. But I think, I'll, I think I'll do it another week when I have a better premise. Anyway, nobody's calling in. <laughs> Chico Loco should call Hasegui in. All right, uh... I guess we're going to wait till next week on the Chico Loco call. And we'll try one more for, for Chad Ellie. And then we'll have to shut this down. And I hope Brandon will appear next week. Which I think he will. I'm sure I'll get a, a text from him apologizing for his uh, disappearance. Let's try to call Ch- Chad Ellie one more time. Let's see here. Wouldn't it be funny if he answers and then it ends up being like a really epic show because he's on? Your call has been forwarded. Nope. This time on two rings, almost like he he didn't want to answer the call. Well, sorry we couldn't provide you with more uh, entertainment on this show. But uh, next week, more Chico Loco. Chad Ellie, hopefully on a special show this Friday. Something like that. We'll get it done, I promise. By the way, if anybody would like to help me out here and uh, help this site not lose money, because I 
I'm not looking to make money. I just, I just like to break even here. You know, I like to cover my server costs here. Right now, I'm not doing that because we have no sponsors. So if you would like to help me out without spending a dime, next time you shop at Amazon.com, which is about all of us do, just scroll down to the bottom of Poker Fraud Alert and click on the banner. And then just purchase normally. Just click on uh, Amazon.com. The banner at the bottom. Just purchase what you want to purchase. I won't see your name. I won't see what you bought. If you buy some really, really embarrassing thing, I won't see it. I'll only see that it was bought. I won't see who bought it. And I'll get like 3% of the purchase price as a commission. So it's a way you can help out this site without spending any money. I want to thank Seriously Serious for buying 200 red dice through the banner. I can't imagine what he would need 200 red dice for. Have people rushing out of the chat room. This is like a Dodgers game where people are down 13 to 1 everyone's leaving. <laughs> but everyone's ditching out of the chat room. Come on guys, you can't wait another 30 seconds till this is over. Anyway, thanks for listening, whether you left the chat room a minute early or not. We will be back next week, Tuesday, November 20th, 7 p.m. at our normal scheduled time. I know I said that last week, but uh, I don't plan to delay the show by a day again. Ironically, this show was delayed by a day so we could have Brandon on. Oops. <laughs> but we'll have Brandon back next week. Chico Loco will come back next week. And Chad Ellie. Hopefully he'll be back before next week and we'll have our interview with him. Kind of hope to get him on before the Diamond Flesh uh, article came out, but that's the way things go. Nothing ever happens as planned on this show, and that's just the way it is, and I've come to accept that. Thank you for listening, everybody. Six days from now, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. I will see you then. Until then, Shalom.